Amen. How we doing? Man, I got stuck back there. I forgot I was supposed to come out and speak. I'm getting caught up in the singing. But it's good to see everyone. Why don't we uh, go to God with the word of prayer, and then we're going to uh, jump right into our part two, part two of our reconciliation lesson from last week, where I left you with a question. Let's go to God in prayer. Our Heavenly Father God, we want to come before you and thank you for uh, working through us, God, and working in us. It's so encouraging to hear that our brother Jerome did not take the shortcut, the easy way. And I pray that we're all able to say that, Father, that the easy way, although it's tempting and is probably well-worn, we know that the path that Jesus took was not. And we pray that you'll help us to take his path instead. Father, I pray that you'll be with us, God, as we work towards reconciling our relationships so that we can glorify you through our covenant relationships, God, so that we can have a a stronger uh, bond with one another so that we can be uh, closer to one another and help each other to mature in Christ. And I do pray that uh, my words will be your words, Father. I pray that you'll help us uh, to, to leave here with a deeper conviction, a deeper desire, Father, to pursue those relationships. And I pray that you'll give us the power uh, that we need to help us draw closer to one another. God, we love you. We thank you. In Christ Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So last week, we started, uh, we talked about reconciling relationships and, am I good here? You guys got me plugged in over there? All right, well, they'll get, they'll figure it out. Uh, we, we talked about covenant relationships. We talked about, we started the conversation about reconciling relationships, and we know that it's not always easy uh, to reconcile relationships with one another. So uh, I asked the question. I left the question with this last week. Is reconciliation, is it a matter of salvation? What do you guys think? Absolutely, right? I mean, it is a matter of salvation. It is a matter of salvation. And so uh, if God is giving us a, a thing to do that can affect our very salvation, then we need to take this seriously. We looked at the two categories in which make every effort was used, right? Talked about make every effort to get to heaven. And then there are scriptures that talk about making an effort to be reconciled with one another, to, to be unified with one another. So the same expectation that God has for us to get to heaven, to make the efforts to get to heaven, to do whatever we need to do in our lives, to get closer to God, to walk with Jesus, he expects us to have the same efforts in being at peace with one another. I mean, think about it. How could you get to heaven and enjoy eternity with God and with somebody you don't like? I mean, that's no fun, Right? I mean, we don't imagine being in heaven with people we can't stand. And so God is like, all right, I need to help you out on earth with that. Because everybody that's going to be with me in heaven is going to love each other. It's going to like each other. So deal with that while you're down here so that you can enjoy those relationships when we're together. He says in Matthew 
chapter 6, verses 14 and 15, for if you forgive men when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive men their sins, your Father will not forgive you your sins. I would hate for that to be the thing to keep me out of heaven. Especially when God has given me ample time to get it done while I'm here on earth. That's not what I want to be met at at the, at the pearly gates. Whoa, 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 James. You didn't fix that relationship. It's a matter of salvation. You know, we never truly identified with the saving power of the cross. It is harder to reconcile relationships with each other. And I believe that because the cross teaches us how to forgive and the fact that we are forgiven, it should empower us to help forgive others. Because Jesus died and he was an innocent man. He went to the cross because of you and because of me. So it wasn't that he did anything wrong. He did it for us. And so, yes, you and I can absolutely reconcile our relationships and we can actually restore our friendships because Jesus has shown us that it is powerful you know in John 21 when we read about how Jesus restored Peter I mean think about that the time that Jesus needed his best friend the most what did Peter do he hightailed it out of there at least he tried to make an effort he cut off somebody's ear so at least he said, well, I tried, Lord. You stopped me. I was about to take his head off, but you stopped me. Jesus says, no, no, no. That's not how I want you to win men over. It's not what we're about right here. And Peter, because God took away the way he's used to dealing with conflict, which is through violent retaliation, he didn't know how else to deal with it, so he ran. And he followed Jesus at a distance. But in John 21, Jesus restored Peter. He reconciled their relationship because he loved Peter and Peter was his friend. And he did not hold Peter's sin against him. So, yes, we can absolutely do it. You know, the power of forgiveness. Forgiveness, when you look at how what forgiveness is, it's a conscious and deliberate decision to release feelings of resentment or vengeance to a person or a group who has harmed you. A conscious, deliberate decision to release those feelings of resentment. Now, here's the thing. That's not easy, but it's absolutely doable. It's absolutely doable. Running a marathon... It's not easy. But we have brothers and sisters right here in this church who have done it. Now, when I think about running a marathon, I'm like, there is no way on God's earth I'm going to do that. In my mind, that's impossible for me to do it. But it can be done if I worked hard, if I got up, if I put the time and the dedication to work. It can be done just like forgiving someone who's hurt you. It can be done. You know, this is what our nation needs right now. 
Because of all the things that we're seeing, all the protests, all the discussion, all the kneeling, all the black and the white and, and this group against this group and this nation against this nation, what we need is reconciliation. We need, there needs to be forgiveness. And God can do that. I mean, it's all the things that we read about and see about all the, the diplomacy and all the talking and all the meetings and all these things will be in vain. If there is no forgiveness and reconciling of these relationships, there has to be reconciliation. And so I can't, I can't really see people moving forward without this. I can't really see it happening. And without the power of love and forgiveness, it's just a meeting. It's just a meeting. Now, we, we, we kind of have a picture of what we think forgiveness is like, Right? We, 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 we like, I'll be the bigger man. You see how he's, he's a little bigger than this guy's right So you know what? I'll forgive you. I'll, I'll be the bigger man. I'll take the high road. All right? I'll be the spiritual one. I'll, I'll be like Jesus. Right? And, but the problem with the I forgive you uh, approach is that what you feel what you feel like has happened to you is usually a bigger piece of the pie than what the other person sees in their contribution to the, to the conflict. See, when we're wronged, it's a bigger piece of the pie than what they're owning up to. And in our mind, it's like, hold on, no, no, whoa, whoa, you hurt me a lot more than that. And so, but in their mind, they're thinking, well, I mean, you know, what's the big deal? And so the forgiveness you get is unsatisfying because their apology, they ask for, they would know, well, you know, you know, hey, well, I'm sorry. I mean, I'm sorry you took it that way. Or, uh, I mean, try to say that in your marriage when, when you try to get resolved with your wife. And she's like, you know, you hurt my feelings. Well, I'm sorry you took it that way. Uh, that's, that's not how I intended. That's not going to go well. Especially if you want to eat that night. It's not going to go well. Right? Or, or if you're, you're, you know, brothers, I know sometimes for us it's like, you know, we want to get the, the courage up to talk to each other. And men don't, we don't always get in touch with our feelings right away. And so when we finally get up the courage and we pull that brother aside and say, bro, you know, I just want to talk to you. man. I got something on my heart and, and I've been praying about this. And, you know, and I... I I just want you to know I love you. I know you probably didn't mean it. And then, you know, and you're painting this big picture of what this brother did and how it affected your week and how you couldn't sleep at night and you didn't watch The Walking Dead because uh, uh, how deep it hurt you and you, you called it late for work because you were so distraught and messed up. And then you finally lay it out. And his brother's like, okay, um, wow, well, uh, you know, um, my bad. I mean, I didn't, you know. I didn't realize you were that sensitive. I mean, I would have probably. And what do you do at that point, right? You know, I just need to get out of here. I forgive you, bro. I forgive you. Because they obviously don't get it, right? They don't see it. They don't feel it. And that's the big thing, is that when we're hurt, we want the person to feel it like we do. 
Because unless you feel what you have imparted on my heart, what you have afflicted upon me, then forgiveness can't happen. This can't happen. And you know what? From my own personal example, I, I realize that's not fair. No one's going to feel the way I feel about an offense against me. And, and in our mind, it's, it's usually bigger. And you try, to, you, you try to get as vulnerable as possible. And the person will try to do their best to understand where you're coming from. But see, what they don't see is the history of the hurt. And the fact that you've been hurt this way before by people you trust. You've been hurt this way before by people you love. And, and you've tried to get it reconciled. And of course the people in the church are going to get it. And so when you approach your brother, your sister in Christ who Jesus died for, you're like, yes, they're going to feel it. They understand. And then you go and that brother's like, bro, you're too sensitive. I mean, my bad, but I mean, we, we, got, we got to talk about your sensitivity. Or sis, you know, you, you know, amen, I mean, I'll, I'll pray about that. But I just, you know, you, I think sometimes you can be a little emotional. And, and I just want you to see your part in it, too. These are actual conversations, all right? But see, your, our apology pales. It doesn't, it doesn't help because in our minds, it's like, man, this is big. And instead you get, well, I'm sorry you took it that way, or, no, that's not it. That's not it. So that's why the I forgive you approach is difficult, because, you know, you're still focused on their sin and what they contributed to the conflict and all the surrounding feelings and emotions because of what they did to you. And so, yes, you can forgive them and move on, but you're really not moving forward. You get what I'm saying there? It's like, I can sit in the room with you, but our relationship will never be the same because you never got it. Yeah, I can stay in the same region with you, but I'll never trust you again. Man, I can even occupy the same space in the same house, but I'm not going to sleep in the same bed with you. It's going to take some time because you never got it. So, yeah, I forgive you. But the problem is, is forgiveness enough? Is forgiveness enough? You know, now, I just want to say this because I understand also that there are victims of abuse in this room. And I understand that it is hard to forgive someone who has abused you. It is still possible through the power of God. Reconciliation involves two people or two parties. And you may not be able to confront the abuser. You may not be able to. So I know that I understand that, you know, we're not always going to be able to talk to the person who contributed to their sin. And you may very well be on the receiving end of people's sin. The reconciliation, in that, in that sense, you know, we're, we're, we got to just release them to God because otherwise you're going to carry this weight around in your heart and in your life forever. 
And so where we can forgive the reconciliation, we have to release to God. And we'll talk a little bit more about that in a minute. But forgiveness and reconciliation is not easy. And, you know, it does take time. You're not going to be resolved in your feelings by the end of this sermon. I can guarantee that. You're going to have to work through some things. It takes time. But we still need to make every effort. Amen? So forgiveness alone is not enough because there's usually some residual feelings left over uh, in the initial conflict. And so forgiveness alone should not be the goal. I forgive you. That shouldn't be the only goal. The goal should be reconciling the relationship. Because if there, if there are residual you know, feelings left over, Satan can still come in and use those leftover feelings and divide and conquer us. Because we see, remember last week we talked about the root? No one can see the root because the root is always beneath the surface. And that's where our deep hurt feelings lie, beneath the surface. Some of us do a great job at covering up our pain, our hurt. And so when it comes around to, to really dealing with what's on the root, Satan can take that those hurt feelings, those lingering feelings, because you forgave, but you never reconciled the relationship. And so now we give Satan a, a, a foothold in that relationship, and that's when you can't see beyond the pain and the hurt. It may have died down. You may be able to tolerate a person, but that's not because you're reconciled in that relationship. So we got to remember that the goal is not just forgiveness. It's a step further. The goal should be reconciliation. And reconciliation simply means a, res a restoration in friendship or attitude from conflict to peace. This was also a term used between two warring countries. When, they were, when there was peace, it was called reconciliation, where two enemies came together and they put their past behind them. They put their differences behind them. And there was forgiveness. But what brought about the peace and the ability to move forward was that they were reconciled. They released the offense brought against one another so that the relationship can be healed. You know, when you think about what Jonathan and David needed, not just peace. It was not just peace and forgiveness. They needed to be reconciled. They needed to be reconciled. There was a time in their relationship where David started to lose trust in his friend. And, and Jonathan, it wasn't good enough for Jonathan to just know that David forgave him. No, I want my friend back. I need my buddy. We made a commitment to one another. And I aim, I means to fulfill that commitment. So it wasn't good enough for Jonathan to just, or David to just forgive Jonathan. They needed to be together again. And they needed that friendship. They needed to be best friends. They needed to be buds again. And so there are keys to reconciliation. And I like the scripture in Philippians chapter 2, verse 3. It says, in humility, consider others better than yourselves. You know, when you think about it, the key, the, the first, of reconciliation is you got to make it you got to own your own sin in the part you got to own your own sin in the matter and I know oh, oh, oh Jay but I'm a victim 
All right. There's that situation. But when there's conflict between relationships, could you have possibly done something to contribute? Maybe it wasn't the initial offense. Maybe it was your reaction to the offense. What does the Bible say? In your, in your anger, do not what? Sometimes we can have some very angry reactions to things. When I'm driving and somebody's like, ah, or they, you know, they do something that I feel offended by, my reaction isn't always, Lord, help them get to where they're going safely. Sometimes it's in the reaction to what was done to me is where I sin. And I got to own that. I can't control the people driving in New York City. I wish I could. I, I, I wish I could. That's one group of people I wish I could control. The drivers in New York City. Stay in your lane. Stay in your lane. Let me get through. Then you come by. Signal. Don't, don't you come across that lane. I wish I could control that, but we can't do that, all right? But I can't control James Warren and how I respond to what people do to me. Even in, in some abusive situations, how we respond, we got to own. Because at the end of the day, who's our model? It's Jesus. When they hurled their insults at him, what did he do? When they spit in his face, what did he do? And he had the power to do something about it. And I think we can learn from Jesus on how he dealt with his abusers and how we can deal with ours or even perceived abusers. And there can be healing and reconciliation through that. You know, we think about, well, how did my sin affect them? How did... I make them feel? How did I escalate the situation? How am I minimizing my own sin in this? And you know, and I'm speaking from example, I'm speaking from personal experience here. I mean, 2015, you guys know, it was a hard year for us. And for me, especially because it was the year my mom died and my brother and I had a falling out that I, of epic proportion. And I didn't see it coming. And let me tell you, if you think that you are safe in the safe zone from Satan, he gets all of us. And he looks for the perfect opportunity. My brother lost his mind at the wrong time. At the wrong time. And I'm sitting here and I'm thinking, you know, God, I mean, what is going on? What is wrong with this guy? How can he talk to me like that? How can he treat me like this? Doesn't he what I'm going through. My son is recovering from his surgery. We're going through all this stuff. And I'm like, doesn't he understand the responsibility, the stress that I deal with on a daily basis? I got a family. I got this. I got that. I got all this stuff going on. Satan doesn't care. Satan applauds that. He's like, praise me. That's exactly what I'm looking for. And so when you think family should be family, right, they should be there for you. They should understand what you're going through. Yeah. That wasn't the case. And so our relationship took a serious blow. 
And when I got open to him about what he did, how he hurt me, he gave the classic response. Well, you know how I can be sometimes. What? What, what kind of policy is that? Oh, you, oh, you, you know how it can be sometimes. <laughs> I tell you, my wife, I thank God that he gave me a godly woman. I thank God that I wasn't married to Job's wife. <laughs> I'll put it to you like this, because there'd be somebody else up here preaching this message. I was married to that woman. I'm like, you know what? That sounds like a good idea. But I think God for Zanika Warren, she taught me off the ledges many times. And I didn't want to hear it. And that's the thing, guys. <laughs> Let me tell you, when you are hurt by somebody, you got to be very careful who you go to. Because everybody's been hurt. And you will have a ready audience. You know what, James? You're right. That's right. Don't talk to them. Don't call them. They don't understand what you're going through. He should treat you better. He should have more respect. You've been there for him more than he's been there for you. But you know what Zalika Warren said? See, that's your brother. He's hurting too. And that's not what you want to hear. You want to hear what everybody else has been telling you. thank God for that woman. She brought me back to earth. She brought me back to the cross. And let me tell you something. Satan drove a wedge between my brother and I and it did not feel good. That's my little, my little brother. I mean, you know, this is, you know, when you have someone in your family that you pray for every day, and you know that Satan is, and then they, he puts that, that wedge between you, and then you feel in your heart, and you can't love them the way that they need to be loved. That's not good. That's not good. But I, I realized, I'm like, God, this is not working out. I can't talk to my brother. We're hanging up the phone on each other. Every time I look at him, his phone, I'm like, I, his name on the call ID, I don't pick up. I'm like, that's not good. That's not good. And what did I do? I had to stop. I had to pray. And I had to say, God, you, you got to do something here. Because I cannot continue to go. And it took a year. For us to get reconciled. But it didn't happen until I decided to take a step back and see my part in this. Because when they're heaping their insults on you, and I'm telling you, I felt like Jesus, I was validated. If I, you know, I, I felt every validation in the book. He heaped his insults on me. I was falsely accused. I was mistreated. But then there's that other verse in there where it says, but he did not retaliate. He entrusted himself to him who judges justly. You can't read the other parts without reading that part. 
I think that's probably the most important part because the other parts are the facts, right? But we got to deal with the feeling. And when I stepped back and I thought, you know what? He is hurting. My mother was his rock. She's not here anymore. Who is going to be there for him? Who is he going to go to? It should be me. I'm his big brother. If he can't talk to me, then who can he talk to? If he can't confide in me, then who can? So I had to step and say, James, stop being selfish for a minute. Look at what you contributed to this so that you can be reconciled with your brother. And let me tell you, that was the beginning of the turning point in our relationship. I had to humble out, and I had to say, please forgive me. Got to step outside yourself for some time. My brother's the only one in our family who's not a disciple. So he already feels a separation. My mother was a disciple. My brother Joey's a disciple. I'm a disciple. He doesn't feel that same connection we have as disciples. So he's kind of on the outside looking. And so when mom is gone, now he's like, I have nobody now. That's what he felt. It wasn't the truth. It wasn't the facts. But that's what he felt. That's what had to be resolved. And so I went to my brother and I said, you know what? Please forgive me because I can imagine you were probably feeling alone through this whole process. And he broke down and he said, yes. And it was like I was talking to a totally different person. He became humble. My heart was broke. We were a mess. <laughs> Grown men standing outside of the shrimp box in, or City Island. <laughs> I love you. I love you too, man. I'm telling you, I feel this. And I, I, I felt it too. And, and then I, I miss mommy too. And, you know, we, we need to get together more. And, and, I mean, we were a mess. But I walked away praising God. I was like, I got my brother back. I got my brother back. And we got to fight for each other. I'm telling you. Some of us, we're letting things keep us apart for too long. We got to fight for each other. We can't let Satan separate us. Because it doesn't end with one relationship. If that's how you're with one friend, you'll be like that with your other friends. And then eventually it will creep into your home. And then you'll be separated and divided and conquered with your children. There's nothing worse than parents not connecting to their kids. When Satan gets in and drives a wedge between their kids, but we get a chance to practice that with each other. Well, we make every effort. But I'm going to tell you right now, that takes trust. It takes trust. And if their apology doesn't add up to your expectations, then you know what? Amen. It's going to be bigger in my mind anyway. 
your, your apology, I mean, I, what I value more is our relationship. That means more to me than your apology and what, whatever offense. So what if they don't see it? What if they don't accept or validate the hurt? They may never see it. And they may never get it. And we know with family, it's even harder. Because they can hurt you at Thanksgiving and not show up for the next 20 Thanksgivings. And you don't hear from them. And it's like, man, it's been 20 years. They did this, this, this crazy thing. They said this crazy thing to me. They treated my kids this way, and now we can't even talk about it. What are you going to do with that? What are you going to do with that? And I'm not saying it's easy. But it's, it will make it harder when you try to defend yourself and minimize your own sin. And this is the way of the cross, isn't it? 53, he was opposed and oppressed. He was oppressed and afflicted, yet he did not open his mouth. Jesus made no reply, not even to a single charge, to the great amazement of the governor. Why not rather be wronged? Why not rather be cheated? You know, these scriptures are directed to Christians. For us to get our relationships reconciled. We, we, we should be the models of reconciliation for the rest of the world. If, if, if the world can't look to the church for help and protection, where can they look? We have got to be the models. We have got to show the world that it works and it is possible by how we reconcile with one another. Do you trust that God can bring about true healing in your relationships? Do you believe that, that the power is truly in the cross of Christ and that he can resurrect your relationships from the dead here in the church and outside the church? And I believe that there needs to be a healing here. That some of us are not open to the idea of, of covenant relationships, discipling because of past hurts. You got to deal with it. You got to deal with it. And you got to move forward so that true healing can take place. You know, let me give you some direction because I know sometimes, you know, these emotionally, I, look, I didn't write cry on my notes. It's just, I'm overwhelmed. I tell you right now, man, every time I cry, I'm like, you know what, you're a big baby. But I'm just overwhelmed with joy, man. I mean, I got my brother. And, I mean, I, I, you know, I'm just grateful for that. But I think sometimes, you know, we can get emotionally charged and we want to go out and we want to attack. Like, oh, I want to reconcile all my relationships. But remember what I said. It took about a year for my brother and I to get reconciled. All right? So I want to give you some direction. Be patient and prayerful. Okay? It may take some time. It took a while for us. And that, I believe, is because he's not a Christian. He's not a disciple, so he's living by the same standards as I do. And so in those regards, I believe Christians need to be the ones who initiate. And you also need to be prayerful because you may not get the response you're hoping for. Okay? Secondly, take personal inventory. Who do you need to seek forgiveness from? What did you contribute to that relationship? Is there something you could have done differently? Could maybe the reaction. The Bible talks about a gentle answer turning away wrath. Did you give a harsh answer? Maybe that's why 
It, it didn't go further. So take personal inventory, and then lastly, seek them out. Seek them out. Once you're at a place where you know, I'm ready to talk, I'm ready to deal with this, then make the effort. You know, for those who may have been offended, may have been hurt by someone who maybe had passed on, you know, I was encouraged to write letters and release the person in the letter. And in the letter, I recorded what they did, how they hurt me, how I felt, how long I felt it. And, but I also wrote that I forgive them and that I love them. And you know you've been reconciled in your relationships when you're able to be friends again. When you can talk about that person without any ill feelings in your heart. They're not going to go right away. But the more acts of love and kindness you show towards that person, I start praying for God to bless their lives. Because that's what I pray for everybody that loved me and who hadn't hurt me yet. I pray that God bless their lives. Right? So when I, if there's a conflict and I need to be resolved and I want to resolve, God bless that person's life. And I get very specific. And then you start to feel your heart change towards the person. And you're able to move forward. You know, David and Jonathan, they needed this. And you look over at 1 Samuel chapter 20. We're bringing it to a close here. 1 Samuel 20, verse 16. It says, so Jonathan made a covenant with the house of David, saying, may the Lord call David's enemies to account. Jonathan and David reaffirmed. And Jonathan had David reaffirm his oath out of love for him because he loved him as himself. Here again, we see Jonathan initiating with David. And he asked David to reaffirm his own commitment to Jonathan. Now, David's the victim in this situation. Remember, it was, it was Jonathan's dad who tried to kill David. And David tried to tell Jonathan, and Jonathan didn't listen. And so that brought, the, the, that brought a, a divide in their relationship. But here we see Jonathan initiating. Why? Because he loved David as himself. And he's like, are we good? Because I want my friend back. And even though there was conflict, there was strain, they really did love each other. And again, it's not just about forgiving each other. It's about restoring the friendship. It's about reaffirming and honoring that covenant relationship we make with each other. I mean, think about it. Isn't that what we want from God? Isn't that what we want from God? I mean, you don't just want forgiveness from God. You want to have a relationship with God. You can't call God Abba Father if you don't have a relationship with him. So we don't want, it's not just about forgiveness. You know, when we study the Bible with people, we don't just say, hey, we want, this is, this, this is how you become a member of our church, or this is how you receive forgiveness. It's like, no, there was a, frac- a fracture in your relationship with God, and the Bible shows us how to repair that relationship. So you want reconciliation with God, because sin separates us from God, so there is no relationship. So we don't want just forgiveness. We want God to be with us, to walk with us, to listen to us, to be there for us. We can't afford to have God at a distance. 
We want God to be close. And I understand that can be difficult, but let me tell you, it is possible. Jonathan not only came all this way to reconcile with David, but he also had to release his dad. He says, may the Lord call David's enemies to account. He finally realizes that his dad was at fault, and what he's communicating here is his loyalty to his friendship with David. He's like, look, I understand my dad was wrong, but I don't want that to come between us. I don't want that to come between us. And so he had to forgive his dad. He had to release his dad to God. And so if you're dealing with family situations, that would be the case for you. You may need to release them to God and ask God to help you move forward. And then lastly, as it depends on us, we need to use the tool that God has given us, which is the cross. And 2 Corinthians 5, verse 18 and 19 says, All this from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation, that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting men's sins against them. And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. This has to come from God. This miraculous healing comes from God through the cross of Christ. And that's the ministry, the message that God has given us to share with the rest of the world. Is that there's forgiveness, but there's reconciliation. So as we reach out to people, we're reconciling them to God. We're not just bringing them to a church with great singing. We're bringing them to a church where there's reconciliation, where there's relationships of reconciliation, where there are examples of reconciliation that's happening. We are grateful for our forgiveness, but then we're even more grateful, and we thrive because of our relationship with God. God has provided reconciliation through Christ. You and I get to help other people reconcile their relationship with God, starting right here in Harlem in this room, helping each other get reconciled with each other so that we can help this lost world be reconciled to their God. I love you. To God be the glory. Let's next week we'll talk about the rewards of reconciliation.